you can open up in your Bibles. We're going to begin over at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. There was a guy named Pete who got a job as a switchman for the railroad. And he had weeks of training to get himself ready for this. And finally the day came and the supervisor takes him out to the switch booth to test his readiness, see how, how well he's learned everything and if he's ready to go. And so the following conversation took place between Pete and the supervisor. The supervisor said, imagine you were sitting here alone and you learned there was a train coming from the north from the north on the track and another coming from the south on the same track. What would you do? Pete, I'd throw this switch right here and put one train on the other track. The supervisor, and what if that switch didn't work? Pete, I'd go down to the track and throw the big switch lever there, putting one train on the other track. And what if the switch lever didn't work? Then I'd come back here and call the dispatcher to stop both of the trains. The supervisor, and what if the phone didn't work? Pete, then I'd go to the gas station across the street and use their phone. And what if their phone didn't work either? Pete, then I'd go and get Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, why would you do that? What would he do? Pete, Nothing, but he's never seen a train wreck before. <laughs> well, it's good to be prepared for a job. And we've been talking about hope in our text for this series from Hebrews chapter 10. What's it say again? I forgot. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without for. For he who promises is faithful. We hold fast the confession of our hope. And the reason it's talking about the confession of our hope is hope is always future. Faith can be past, present, or future, but faith or, but hope is always future. You cannot hope for what you already have. You've already got it. But we hope for what is future. So faith and hope work on those things that are future, but faith by itself can also work on things that are past or present. But well, we've been looking at this series on those things that are in the future and those things that we are hoping for. And as we've been on these, these number of weeks, last week we looked at the idea of healing and how hope and healing went along together. And this week we're going to be looking at finances because these are some of the areas we've been picking on in this series. We know that folks need, need uh, jobs or need better jobs or need pay increases or need healing in their body or the different things that we have been, been looking at. So we just want to go through today as we're finishing off this series, and look at some things about hope and finances. Because what's the Word of God had to say about it? It's one thing to, to hope for it. We, we all hope that there's a good job out there for us. We all hope the Lord wants me to have a job. We all hope for good things in this area. But what does the Word of God actually say on it? We know we have all kinds of opinions. How many know that Cousin Sue and, and uh, Uncle Joe and all the different ones, they all have opinions on what we should do financially. And we've uh, been around in the church long enough that we've seen all sorts of things come around. We've seen those that come around that everybody should be a millionaire and, and other folks that go around that, you know, uh, you, you, you pinch and save for every single thing and a poverty mentality gets in you. We've talked to you before about that poverty mentality. You all know the test. If you save the ketchup from the Wendy's when you go over there, you probably have a poverty mentality. You know, I mean, how much does it really help to save those ketchup things and bring them on home? Go out there and buy yourself a ketchup. 
Now, you may say, well, it's just helping me out. No, it's not. It's getting you into a poverty mentality. How many of you have Tupperware that has Cool Whip written on the top? That's a poverty mentality. That's just saying I won't be able to afford Tupperware or even Rubbermaid. I have to have Cool Whip. That's just, a, that's just the way that it sneaks in. It just starts to come on in and become a part of you. How many of you have a drawer full of rubber bands? How about another drawer full of all those twisty ties, twisty ties you took off the bread that you already ate? Why do you save them? <laughs> I mean, if you go out and you buy the trash bags that have the, the twisty tie, don't they give you more of them than you need? And they're brand new ones. But we have a whole drawer full of used ones. And some people even use the used ones before they use the new ones. I know, I'm talking to some people here, aren't I? That's just poverty mentality. It just gets in. In the same way, it's, it's not so good to get into this one area that, well, you know, everything needs to be this way and I just should be a millionaire and billionaire and before next year's out. It's also bad to get in the other side of the, the ditch here and just be thinking that, uh, you know, next week I could be losing my job. Next week I could be needing those twisty ties off of the... What are you going to use them for if you don't buy plastic bags? Oh, I'll tell you what. It's just... It's just when we, when we start doing that, we are letting that poverty mentality come in. And once you let it come in, it begins to take root. It begins to get hold of you. And then you go over to some people's houses and they have plastic bags, old bread bags saved because you just never know when you might need them. Right? We just got to stop saving some stuff and get in there and, and doing all those things. They have those uh, TV shows. I have never watched one. I have seen commercials for them. I will not watch them. I refuse to watch them. Just, it's just me. It's nothing other than that. But those people, you know, they go in there and they, they get the folks out that are pack rats. And you walk into the house and dear Lord. And you wonder, how do you get there like that? Well, it was a seed. It got in there as a seed. Don't let this stuff get in there as a seed. Don't order the Chinese food and save the duck sauce. Go out there and buy yourself a real bottle. Right? How many of y'all have duck sauce in your refrigerator right now as we speak? We're going to go home and check. <laughs> Why do you do that? If you order more Chinese food from the Chinese restaurant, what are they going to send with it? Duck sauce. Duck sauce. You don't need to save any. <laughs> but we'll do that anyway, won't we? <laughs> oh, man. You know how this stuff can just get in you. And you don't want it to get a hold of you. So don't let it get, don't get in a ditch on one side, don't get in a ditch on the other. Well, what we need to find out is what does the Word of God have to say about finances? What does it have to say about a job? Because some of you folks here are believing God for a job. Some of you folks here are believing God for a better job. Some of you folks are believing here for a, a, a raise on your job. Some kind of things that go on in your finances, you're believing for that. But if we don't have Scripture for it, then we don't have the right faith because we have faith in the Word of God. As we've said before, I'm just quoting someone else, but faith begins where the will of God is known. If you do not know the will of God, you cannot have faith. If you do not know the will of God for what is ahead, you cannot have hope. You must know what God's Word says is coming. Not what other people have said. Not what the press has said. Not what other people expect to be coming. You must know what has God said is coming. And that is your hope. We have hope that there is a mansion prepared for us in heaven. Why? Because His Word said so. We have hope that our when we... When we die, we go on to heaven. It's not a wishful hope. It's not a hope that says, Oh, I hope that when we die, I hope we just we get to get in 
No, it's a knowing. Paul wrote about it and said, it's a certainty. It's, this, this is something we know. And that's how we need to be. So we want to take a look at some scriptures. Don't have too much written in your outline today. I just put a lot of scriptures in there. Because I want you to have these to be able to go home, meditate on them, and form in your own mind the hope of what is ahead for you in the area of employment, in the area of finances, in the area of money. What is, is coming? You see, you get that poverty mentality and it begins to take hold of you. What it does is it begins to formulate in you a hope that things will fall apart one day. No, I don't hope for that. Well, you're not looking forward to it. But you are hoping for it. Hope is the anticipation of something yet future to come to you. And you're just anticipating that thing getting there to you. Remember, hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is the certainty of knowing what it is to come. Jesus even said, just know for, for sure that with the promises, with the blessings, there will come tribulation. So we have the hope that tribulation is coming. How many of you are wishing for it? No, but we know it's coming, right? God, he, he even said, you'll be persecuted for my name's sake. So we know that those things will come. But that's all right. Greater is he that has overcome. He's overcome the world, so we're glad for that. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 7, you could probably read the whole chapter, but we're going to pick up here verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Who is this written to? It's not written to the Jewish people? Now you're all not sure? <laughs> it was written to the Jews, wasn't it? But is it for us? Well, why in the world is it in our Bible if it's not for us? And the church has picked up. God has said, all right, we were dealing with the Jews, but they rejected it. So now we're opening up all those promises of Abraham to you folks. Because way back when God first made the promise to Abraham, God says, I will bless the Jewish nation because of you. Is that what he said? He said, I will bless all nations. Because he knew the time would come that all blessings would come to the Gentiles. And we are in that day. For you are all, for, I'm sorry, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And the Lord did not set His love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because He would keep the oath which He swore to keep to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. And He repays those who hate Him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with Him who hates Him, who will repair Him to His face. Who repay him to his face. Therefore you shall keep the command, the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Verse 12. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will do what? He will love you and bless you, and multiply you. Do you see anything about a poverty mentality in there? He would cause scarcity to happen to you. He would cause you to run out of ketchup. 
<laughs> Duck sauce. Salt. Certainly no one here saves little salt packets from the, you know, McDonald's and No, we don't save those right now. Okay, good. Sugar. <laughs> Sugar packets. <laughs> now don't admit it. <laughs> oh my. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. This is what he will do. He's he, this is his will. He is stating what his will is to do for you. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil and increase your cattle and the offspring of the flock and the land in which you, he swore to your fathers. He will give you. He will, he shall, excuse me, you shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. Now, just look at what he's doing here. He's saying your livestock's going to be blessed. It's going to prosper. It's going to, it's going to do well. The grain, it's going to be fruitful. The wine, it's going to increase. Let me read this whole thing for you again. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock to the land of which he swore to the fathers to give you. This is what he would do because this was their occupations. This was the things that they did for a living. And he says, those things that you do for a living, I am going to bless them. I'm going to increase them. I'm going to cause them to multiply. Isn't that a promise from him? If it's a promise from God, is this not the will of him? There is not a single job, folks, we can take on. There is not a single place of employment that we can take on where increase is bad. There's just not. If you're in sales and you have increase in the number of people buying from you, is that bad? <laughs> That's a good thing. If you have your own business and there is increase in the amount of customers that you have, is that bad? No, this is good. If you have, uh, if you offer a service, you're a teacher, you're a, a mechanic, and the people who come to uh, glean from your services increase, is that bad? If the work that you do prospers more than all your competitors, is that bad? This is not bad. This is a good thing. But sometimes we get this mentality about as Christians and we get to be thinking, well, I don't want anybody else to get come into, you know, be short. So I'll just take it all on the lump. That's poverty mentality getting inside you. See, the enemy comes and brings this along. We talked about this last week. Why does the enemy come? What is his purpose? To steal, to kill and destroy. That is his purpose. When he came to Adam and Eve and he approached them in the garden and began to talk to them. Has God really said, what was His purpose? To increase them in the knowledge? To steal? To kill? To destroy? He wanted to steal their authority. He wanted them to die. But they couldn't pick that up from what He said. You will not be able to pick this up from this mentality that gets, gets its hand on you. But if you allow this to get inside, you begin to think, well, less is better. I should just take less. How many government people out there do we have that are telling us all we need to take less while they take more? 
How many government people out there are very generous with your money? They want to take your money via taxes and give it to other people. Well, if you go and you... And I've, seen, I've seen stats on this. You look at some of the politicians that are out there that advocate the most for higher taxes and taking your money. They are the least generous people with their own money. The least. Most of them don't even give 1% to charitable organizations. I'm not even talking about churches. I'm just talking about charitable organizations. Most of them don't even give that. But they want to have you give so much. And then I've heard some of these politicians, they're going out there and they talk about how, you know, it's patriotic. It's good that we paid higher taxes. It's a good thing. And yet they're all out there making sure that their money doesn't get taxed. One former president once said, we should be paying more taxes. And yet he took every single tax advantage he could when he put in his, his income tax. <laughs> they talk out of both sides of their mouth. But we get this mentality that comes in. Don't let this mentality get a hold of you, folks. God wants you to prosper. Now, how many of you have neighbors' kids? Anybody have some neighbors that have kids? How many like your neighbors' kids? I'm not asking for how many don't like your neighbors' kids. How many of you like your neighbors' kids? How many want to see good things happen for your neighbors' kids? But how many want to see better things happen for yours? And is that the way it is? I mean, it's, I don't hold anything against my neighbors' kids, but you know what? I want good things to happen for mine because I'm directly responsible for them. Well, God's the same way. God would like everybody to be His kids, but not everybody is. He gets most enjoyment out of seeing His kids prosper. When He brought the children of Israel into the land of the promised land, He got great joy out of seeing them take stuff, that they take over cities they didn't build, come into the, this land of great plenty. He took great pleasure in that. He wants you to prosper. The Word of God says that He will bless the work of your hands. That whatever you set your hand to shall be successful. These are promises from the Word of God. But you've got to put your hand to something. We fall in a ditch on the other side of the... Not in the poverty mentality. go over to the other side and we begin to think, well, checks should just come to us in the mail. Money should just drop out of heaven. I should just find stuff. Things should just be deposited in my account. And it's kind of, no! God says, I'll bless the fruit of your hand. Get out there and work. Get out there and do something. And I'll bless it. I'll prosper it. I'll bring it about. He's telling these folks, if you go out and sow grain, that grain will prosper. That grain will prosper. If you're out there and have cattle, that cattle will prosper. But if you don't have cattle, do you have anything for God to prosper? No. 500 times zero is? Zero. Zero. <laughs> You've got to have something for God to multiply it. God's a multiplier. But you have to have something. You've got to put something out there to, to do that. Somehow that you, you, you need to do those things. And no matter what job you have, God will, will bless it. But they're unsaved people. God will bless the house that you're in, the work that you have, because of you. Joseph went into Potiphar's house and Potiphar's house did what? Crumble? It prospered. Why? Because of Joseph. Egypt prospered because of Joseph. God will cause your work, no matter how despicable it is, if you're there, God will cause it to prosper. But you've got to know it. You've got to want it. You've got to apply it. Just because these promises are in the Word of God doesn't mean they happen. You must put them to work. 
I've told you the stories before. When I put these things to work, when I first learned about them, going to school, we came on. I was the only born-again Christian at the place I worked at. But I came on in there and says, all right, we're just going to pray for prosperity because if the pizza parlor prospered, guess what happened to me? I got more hours. More hours meant more money. So we began to prosper. We began to pray. I began to pray prosperity on this thing. I mean, we and people in the, in the class together, we began to pray for our particular businesses that we worked in that they would prosper. And we prospered so much I had to stop. <laughs> it was just too much. I told you the story before. One Thursday night, we had a Thursday crowd and we, got a, we had a Thursday crew and got a Friday crowd. That took a long time to get that taken care of. We were working until 3 o'clock in the morning to take care of all that stuff. And then I have to be up at 6 to go to school. That wasn't good. So we, we toned down on the prosperity. We wanted prosperity in the days that we were ready for it. <laughs> so we just got ready. But our store prospered. Our store grew. Our store increased. We continually did better. Went on down and uh, took a horseradish job. And I did that horseradish job. They told me that the job was saturated. There's no more. Uh, they just wanted me to maintain it. I doubled it. Increased it twofold. Then increased it some more. Then went away for a year. Came on back. They found out how big it was. And they said, look, take some more days down there. And so instead of taking two days a week, I took. they said take four. I took four days and I filled up all four days at the pace I work at. When I left the company, they said, we're a little scared. What's going to happen when we send somebody else out there? Because no one else had been down there for years. No one else had touched it. But it increased. I had other, other uh, people who came on down. I drove one company out of business. Drove them out of business. They, they pulled up shop and no longer sold stuff. Then somebody else from New York came on down I could tell you the name of the company. Some of you might even know who they are. They came on down and they tried to come in to where this other guy went out of business. And some of the people took some of the free stuff, but none of them paid any money for any of it. And he eventually pulled up, pulled up his roots and went back to New York. And I had 100% control over all of the South Jersey Shore Islands. I serviced them all. And no one wanted to leave. That's prosperity. That's a blessing. That's what God wants to do. Well, what about that poor guy who went out of business? Well, he's probably not a believer. I mean, if he was a believer, prosperity would have come to him, right? There was room for all of us to be working down there. When he went out of business, that was more work I had to do. He can prosper too. But we have to have that mentality. But you know what? We can have a mentality of prospering in this area, this area, this area, and then we think poverty in this area, this area, and this area. Don't think just because you think that God wants to bless you over here that you think about it all the way around. Because I'll tell you what, I know some areas I can begin to battle that poverty mentality. That mentality that says, oh, it may not make it. Oh, it may not come around. And oh, it, it sneaks in so fast. All you got to do is bite into a little bit of it. Don't do it. You got to read over scriptures like this that talk about what God wants to do. God wants to bless you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known, but they will lay them on all those who hate you. Oh, I don't want to see anything bad come to anybody else. Uh-uh. If they work in a, in a way that they hate you. How many of you have people, maybe not in the job now, but other jobs? And you've had people that have actively worked against you. That have actually 
tried to get you fired, tried to get you to lose something, tried to get your payout. This is what the Word of God says. God's looking out for you. God will protect you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to go out there and start spreading nasty rumors about them or to say anything about them. You just walk in the promises of God and say, Father God, I thank you. I just walk according to promises that you have. I just do what I'm supposed to do. And you know what happens to those other people? Bad stuff. But I don't have to do it. <laughs> you don't have to have a hand in it. That's not your role. That's God's role. When Haman came against the children of Israel and he made the gallows to hang them on, what happened in the end? He got hung. When the guys made the plan against Daniel and the plan unfolded and Daniel got thrown into the lion's den and Daniel survived the lion's den because the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. And then when he came on out, the king looked at them and says, you all orchestrated this plan to come against Daniel. Yeah, you get to spend a night in the lion's den. But they didn't spend a night. They didn't spend five minutes. The lions got them before they even hit the ground. Because this is God's mentality. He does not want to work against the unsaved. But if the unsaved come against you, God says, I'll get them. Because I'm looking out for those that are my kids. Now you get on out there, you need to warn people. You should be warning people. Now look boss, you don't want to fire me. <laughs> I'm the reason this company is prospering. If you're the only Christian there, you probably are. Now there might be other Christians there and God will prosper for them as well. As long as they're believing the principles and, and putting the things to work. But Joseph put these principles to work and the house of Potiphar prospered. It increased. You've got to put these principles to work. Whatever Joseph did was successful. But you've got to go around thinking that. You've got to go around walking in that. You've got to go around knowing. I thank, I thank you, Father, that I have all the business I need. I thank you, Father, that I have what, the, the increase that I need. Whatever it is that you need, you thank God that you have it. Sometimes, though, we get a wrong attitude about employers. And we begin to walk around the job and we begin to think, oh, they're shorting me. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're not treating me right. And it begins to affect our attitude there at the job. And we begin to let things slip and let things go. And we're not trying to, to work as we work unto the Lord. We're not doing our work heartily as unto the Lord. We're just doing it haphazardly because, well, they don't deserve me. They don't, that's wrong attitude. You let that attitude get in and Satan knows if I get that attitude inside you, then you will not operate in the promises of God. You will not operate in His blessings. Because He says, do what I command. Right here in this section of Scripture, He says, do what I command. So no matter what it is that people do to you, you serve them with gusto. Because you do it as unto God. You serve them as unto God. You don't sit there and say, well, is this going to, am I going to get a million, become a millionaire by doing this? No, you say, Father God, this is what you gave me to do. I'm going to do it with everything I can. I'm going to put my all into it. I'm going to do the best job I possibly can for them. And then the thought comes in, they don't deserve that. You can immediately come back with, I don't deserve what I got from God. Thank God I didn't get what I deserved. But this is what I'm going to do because I do my work unto the Lord, not unto them. And that's the attitude you keep. You don't let any other attitude get in. When you're on that job, you work hard. You put your all into it. And God will bless what it is that you do. You give your employer every bit that you can. You don't jip them. You don't rob them. And God will see to it that you get blessed and that you prosper. Because it's a good thing. How many of y'all like what, it, what, what wage you get at your, your job? Oh, I see some fun expressions there. All right. <laughs> Not everybody likes what they get. How many of you like to get paid more than what you get? 
That's a good thing, isn't it? Boy, the job I had delivering horseradish. I got paid time and a half for every hour over 40. That's how most places do it. I was over 40 hours. If I started on Monday, I was into my overtime by Wednesday. I got paid overtime for whatever part of Wednesday I was still, still working it. Thursday and Friday. That adds up. That's, that's good. And they didn't complain. They didn't complain one bit. They didn't say, you know, you got too much overtime. How many have ever heard that from somebody? Oh, you got too much overtime. Make it worth their while to pay you. And they will. No, you don't know my employee. You don't know my God then. Get to know your God. Work hard. Give it your all. Because that's what God said to do. That's how God said to operate at your job. Where do we leave off at? Verse 15. Also you shall destroy all the peoples from the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eye shall not have no pity on them nor shall you serve their gods for that will be a snare to you. Stop having pity on the unsaved. Oh, well, I shouldn't take a pay raise because if I take a pay raise, then they may not be able to pay. So, God is out to prosper you. Let Him. If the other people would serve God and would do what He says to do, then God would be out to prosper them as well. So stop getting in God's way. Let Him prosper you. Let Him increase you. If they want to give you an increase, let them do it. I was at one job and I, I started working there at a certain rate. And before the week was out, the boss came to me and said, I, I, need, I need to raise your pay. He said, you do stuff that I've never, I haven't been able to get other people to do. I need to raise your pay. And he raised my pay. I never worked at my starting wage. He raised it retroactively. And then when that manager was, was removed and the, uh, the, uh, his boss was in there, he saw me, how I worked and what I did in there. And he said, I need to give you a raise. And he gave me a raise. And then when he left, he gave word to the manager, now you do this and put him in this position because he needs to get more money. And then when I told him I was leaving, because God called me to be a pastor and I'm heading back on home, and I was telling him I was leaving, the area general manager came into our restaurant, sat me down by myself at a table and said, what will it take to keep you here? You tell me what it'll take and we will do it. And he said, I will promise you that within three years you will be in the office. And if you got an office job at this particular company, you got a company car, you work Monday through Friday, you work day hours, hardly any nights at all, and no weekends. And you had a salary that for this city was very, very good. And I said, I'm sorry. And so he said, okay. But that's what people should, they should have that attitude. They should want to prosper you. They should want to see you increase. And they will have that attitude if you adopt the right attitude yourself. Make sure you do it. Hold on to that way. Verse 17. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispose them? If you should say in your heart, oh, the economy is awful. There will be no job for me. How can there be a job for me? Oh, the economy is terrible. How can I make a living? Oh, the economy is terrible. How can I keep my job? If you should say in your heart, then say out loud. Remember we looked at the stories with Abraham? He laughed inside of and, and Sarah, she said in her heart, <laughs> Don't say it in your heart. Don't, there's too many Christians out there, they say with their mouth, Glory to God, I thank God for His blessings. And inside they're saying, It's not going to happen to me. 
That's the same thing. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispose them? If you should say in your heart, the economy is awful, there's no jobs. There's no business coming to my, to my place of employment. How can they give me a raise? People are losing their job where I'm working. How can I keep mine? If you say in your heart these things, guess what happens? Don't say that in your heart. Say in your heart, how great is my God? How great is my God? No matter how bad the economy is, how great is my God? Joseph faced a terrible economy. First seven years was good. Second set, second set of seven years was bad. People were losing their farms. People were losing their lands. They were losing their houses. They, were, they could have lost their lives. And Joseph got rich. He got rich. And he made Pharaoh rich. There was so much money coming in because of what Joseph did. He got rich and he made Pharaoh rich. And Pharaoh didn't have to do anything. Joseph could have been saying, Why am I making Pharaoh rich? He didn't. He did exactly what God told him to do in the way that God told him to do it. And God took care of Joseph. And God caused him to abundantly prosper. Don't say these kind of things in your heart. Verse 18, You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples to whom you are afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Don't, you don't need to be that way. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. They'll be hiding themselves from you. You shall not, you shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God the great and awesome God is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will, be, you will be unable to destroy them at once lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. So little by little, section by section, you're going to be taking the land so that you can inhabit it along the way. And He will deliver their kings into your hand and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. No one will be able to stand against you. You shall not burn the carved images of their gods. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. You shall bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detested and utterly abhorred for it is an accursed thing. What he's saying is there's gold that is on them, them uh, idols. He says, don't you be lusting after it. Don't you get in that mentality. Well, we'll just take the gold off and we'll melt it down and we'll do, use, use it for other things. Because that is a poverty mentality. How can taking gold be a poverty mentality? Because God says there'll be so much gold, there'll be so much abundance, you will not need that. But if you accept that thought that says, I need to take that even though God says, don't take it, treat it as an abomination because it's gold that covered their idols. It's silver that covered their idols. If you disobey that, it won't be good. Don't let that mentality get in there. Don't be going over. You go over to Wendy's today after church. Leave the ketchup behind. Alright? Use what you need. Leave the rest of it behind. Don't be taking the napkins. Don't put a couple extra straws in your pocketbook. 
or your jacket pocket, just in case you might need them at home. Don't be doing it. <laughs> you don't need it. You have salt at home. You have ketchup at home. You don't need their stuff. Well, it's just a little bit. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Just like they were supposed to, God said, don't, don't take that stuff. Don't, don't do it. You don't need it. You don't need it. Don't get into that mentality that I need it. No, you don't need it. You don't need Because as soon as you start doing that, then when God says, uh, give this person over there $20. Oh, that's, that's, that's $20. <laughs> no, you see, you let that mentality come in and now you're trying to protect stuff. God's not into you protecting things. God wants you to bless people. When God says, go over there and bless that person, He wants you to go over there and bless that person and not give it a second thought. Just go over there and bless them. Not to sit there and say, well, I don't know. You want me to give them $20? I, I only got $100 this week. That's twenty. That's one-fifth of it. That only gives me $80. Uh, and you start doing all the math. And don't do the math in your head. You obey God. That's it. You just obey God. If God says, bless that person, bless them. Just do it. Don't sit there and say, oh, but no, I need, I need to have. No, you don't. <laughs> you let God take care of your need to have. You go out there and you bless the people you need to bless. Just, just always maintain the mentality. As soon as you get into a hoarding mentality, as soon as you get into a mentality that says, oh, I need, I need, oh, I got to make sure I have, oh, I want, it's wrong. You can't do it. You got to be really ready at a drop of a hat. If God says, I want you to give that thing over here to this person over here, you go out there and you do it. Because God said it. Oh, but then I won't be blessed because I won't have that. That don't matter. You do what God says, you'll be blessed. You're not blessed because you accumulate stuff. You're blessed because you listen and obey God. That's why you're blessed. Keep on doing it. Keep on hanging on to all that stuff. Hang on to the stuff that the Word of God has to say. Well, it took a lot longer to get through Deuteronomy chapter 7 than I thought. We may not get through all this stuff here. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me into a in to possess this land because but it is be, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you understand the reason that people are not prospering in the world by the hand of God is because of their wickedness don't adopt their wickedness let God prosper you his way let God cause you to come into abundance his way. He's going to have you do it by working hard. By outworking all the folks that are around you. By having a better attitude than everybody else around you. By having an attitude that says, I'm here to get this company to be blessed. That's why I'm here. And by, by me doing that, they're going to bless me. And I'm going to come into blessing. And when you have stuff, you don't hang on to it too tightly. As soon as God says, give that person, help that person, do this for this one over here, you get out there and you do it. Be quick to obey. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. It's not because of your righteousness. It's because of God's grace. Oh, never forget that. The reason God blesses us, the reason God causes the things that we do to prosper is because of His grace. Because of what He did, not because of what we did. Don't get this thing of, well, it's because I'm so good. It's because I've been confessing. It's because I've been believing. It's because No, it's because of Him. It's because of His grace. Always keep that in mind. Father God, I thank You. There's not a single thing I have that I deserve. 
but I have it because you bless me. Thank you, Father, for blessing me. Always have that attitude. The Word of God says always be thankful. Maintain. We talked about that uh, some time back. Always maintain that attitude of thankfulness. Be thankful for what you have because as soon as you get into a place where all right, you're making $5 an hour, $7 an hour, $10 an hour, whatever it is, and at first you're thankful for it, but then after a while you begin to become unthankful. Don't let that happen. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you and that He may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. So just just because you're in this mode, don't be out there thinking, oh, glory to God, I got this because I was doing so well, because I've put in my tape time. I've listened to the Word of God. I've been reading the Scriptures. I've been having my prayer time. No, it's not because of that. Because of God's grace. Always keep that in mind. But as we walk, walk in God's grace, we do what He says to do. And as we walk in His commandments, He works on our behalf. And if I understand that He is working on my behalf, then when I go in and apply for a job and I see 500 other people applying for the same job and the thought comes in, who am I that I should get this job over the other people that are here? Ever thought that? Ever thought, thought, who am I that I should get a raise? Look at all these other people here. Who am I that I should get that? Who am I that, that this would come about for me. It's the wrong mentality. Who are you? You're a child of God. And it's not coming to you because you're so great, because you're so righteous. It's coming to you because God loves you and God loves to do good things for His kids. That's why it's coming to you. God loves you and God loves to do good things for His kids. He loves it. Just like you do. How many of you get great pleasure in doing things for your kids? If you do something good for your... Oh, you just get so happy about... Oh, look at that. Oh, look at how it made them smile. Oh, look at how glad they are. Oh, this was so good. Me, mom and dad at Christmas time. The kids are open the present. They think all the joy is theirs because they get to open up the present. Oh, I get to play with this. But the joy is really mom and dad's because we look at them and we say, oh, look how happy they are because they got that. That's so great. If we, being unrighteous, know how to, good give, good, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more has God the Father knowing? And how much more joy does He get out of it? He loves to bless His kids. But you've got to have that attitude. You've got to walk in there and say, Father God, I thank You that You love to bless me. You just love to bless me. If you want to listen to somebody who's got this attitude down, turn on Jesse Duplantis. Oh man, he's got this attitude down. He believes wherever he walks into, God's just going to bless him. But he also looks for people to bless. He's always looking for, who can I bless? Who's out there that I can get? Oh, let's get this one over here. He's just looking for people to bless. He doesn't walk into a situation and look, oh, where's the blessing coming from for me? He walks in to see who he can bless and blessings just happen to him. Blessings just keep throwing his way. Glory to God. He's got that attitude though that says, I'm a king's kid. God loves to bless me. Not because I'm Jesse Duplantis, not because I'm anything special, but because I'm his kid. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes we just need to get feet on that just a little bit, don't we? And this is where we need to need to be. Verse 6 we left off at. Turning over to, to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. 
It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He not only increased in wisdom and stature, He increased in the favor with God and with men. We need to understand what this means. It is good to have the favor of men. I've used this example before, but it's about the best one I can think of. When was the last time you called a customer service representative for some company? How good is it when you get them mad at you? doesn't help you a whole lot. If you get the customer service rep mad at you, what happens? When they hang up, they say, that's all, I'm not doing anything more for you. <laughs> but boy, if you can get that customer service on your side, if you can talk nicely and respectfully and, and keep your cool and get that customer service person on your side and they work on your behalf, oh, isn't it better? It is better to have favor with God and men than to not have it. If you go in for a job interview, one of your prayers should be, Father God, I thank you that I have favor with men. I thank you that people look upon me favorably. That people like to do good things for me. In your lifetime, have there been people that you enjoy doing things for? Have there also been people that you do not enjoy doing things for? Are there people on your list that if they call you up and ask you for something you know your first response is always going to be, no, I'm sure I'm busy. What weekend is that for? No, no, I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> right? But there are some people that you enjoy. Oh, when do you need me? Oh, I can rearrange some stuff. Favor helps. You go into a job interview and you have favor. Not only are you acting in a favorable way, but you also pray to God. Father God, I thank you for favor. I thank you that these people are going to want to give me a job. They may not know it, but I'm going to bless their business because I'm going to work hard and I'm going to bring the favor of God in on their business. But they may not know that, but Father, I thank you that there's just something in me that's going to strike them and they're going to like me. And they're just going to want to do stuff for me because they like me. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He'll do it. The Word of God also says that when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. I put that in your outline. It's down there at the very end. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. No, these people just don't like me. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. I didn't say that. The Bible did. <laughs> in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So here's the church. Just starting out, just getting going, you would think that all the people, which right now all the people are primarily Jewish people, that they wouldn't like the church because they're talking about this Jesus character. But it says that they had the favor of all the people. But you see, we get this mentality that, well, people are just not going to like me because I'm a Christian. People just aren't going to like me because I work this way. 
Oh, people are going to like you. People will like you. They will like you. One, one job I had, people there, they liked me. They just didn't like working with me. But they liked me. When I would show up in the plant and I would work in the plant, they didn't get their rest. I made the, I made the line continually go. I would not let the line stop. And so some of the folks there who were used to a 15-minute break every hour didn't get it. And I worked through breaks and I uh, took a short lunch and the production manager, he would come out with me and he and I would run the entire production line while everybody else took their 15-minute every two-and-a-half-hour break. I hated breaks. To this day, I hate breaks. Didn't like breaks. I, was, I got mad because somebody said I had to stop working and go sit in the break room. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing in the world because we're trying to set records here. And we did. Every time I was in there on the plant, we would, uh, we, he would let me know what the record was for cocktail sauce. All right, we can, beat, we can beat that. I know, we can beat it. And he and I, we'd be there, we'd be just moving that stuff around. Well, we're, what's our count? All right, well, we're at this count, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit it. We're gonna, <laughs> sure enough, we broke it. Now, no one else was real happy with me. He even told me, he says, they don't like working with you. I said, that's okay. I'm okay with it. They liked me. They just didn't like working with me. Have that attitude. You will grow in favor of people will like you, even though you are born again. Even though you are serving God. Even though you live according to His Word. They'll still like you. Acts chapter 7, verse 9, And the patriarchs, becoming envious with, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all, all his house. He had a favor. Even though you know, his brothers didn't like him. You know why? Because whatever he did prospered. And because whatever he did prospered, his dad put more in his care. And his brothers didn't like that. You know how they could have fixed it? They could have worked as hard as Joseph did. There are some people who are not going to like you because you work so hard. That's alright. But they can't get past the point they just like you. They just like you. You know, you got joy, you got peace. God just seems to be helping you out. You have wisdom that you need. They just can't get past the fact that, man, you know what? Don't like working with that person, but boy, I just like them. They'll like, they'll like you. And people that like you will do more for you. Just understand, this is, this is, these are things that are promised from the Word of God. People will like you. People will have favor. Now, there are going to be some of those out there that, you know, Jesus dealt with some that are not going to like the Word and the other. You'll have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You'll have some of those. Just bent on evil. It's all right. They can't overcome you. They can't get you fired. They can't throw you in a lion's den and have success. They can't throw you in a fiery furnace. They can't hang you on the gallows. They'd like to. They've made plans to. It just isn't working. And it seems like all the plans they make to mess you up, mess them up. Because God just orders your steps. He just leads you along. And your employer says, there's no way we can hang this one on the gallows. There's no way we can send this one to the lion's den. They work so good. They, they mean so much to us. Certainly we cannot, we cannot do that. Joseph had opportunity, didn't he? Constantly had opportunity. This is the one, one they talk about. We, we put four of them down right here. We're not going to get to all of them. But Joseph was one. He had opportunity. 
wherever he was, he worked hard. And people liked him. Potiphar had to like him to trust his whole house with him. You don't do that with people you don't like. He trusted his entire house with him. Joseph even said to, the, to the Potiphar's wife, there he said, there is nothing in this house that's withheld from me except you. I write the checks. I have all the keys. Nothing in this house is withheld from me because the boss likes me. But he's withheld you and I'm not going there. But he had opportunity. Wherever he would go. If he was sold into slavery, he found opportunity. If he was put in prison, he found opportunity. Wherever he was, he found opportunity. Stop telling yourself that there are no opportunities around. Stop telling yourself that there's no jobs, that there's no pay increases, that there's no better jobs. Don't let that thought take root. Understand, we serve a big God. Our God is bigger than our economy. Our God is bigger than our government. Our God is bigger than our nation. Our God is bigger than our dollar. And it does not matter what happens. God knew it was coming. And He made provisions for His kids. Listen to Him. If He says, sow something, sow it. Don't ask why. Sow it. Don't sit there and say, well, God, I don't know if I should do that. Don't be trying to give God counsel. You start trying to give God counsel. I mean, just like your kids. How many times have your kids come up and tried to give you counsel? You know, Mom and Dad, I don't know that that's... A... And what are you doing? I mean, they're, they're 12 years old telling you how that ought to be done. And what do you do? <laughs> sit there and you laugh, don't you? They think they know what they're doing, man. They think they got it all down. It's all gone. <laughs> We're doing that with God. Stop trying to give God counsel. God gives you counsel. God says something. Yes, sir. You get to that place, it'll help you out. God says, I want you to look for another job. I like this job. I want you to look. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whatever he says, you do it. You listen. Because whatever you put your hand to, God will cause to be successful. But if you allow that poverty mentality that defeated mentality, that mentality that says, I may not make it. It may not come to me. If you let that get in, it'll come in as a little seed at first. Just like the poverty mentality comes in by pulling those ketchups from the Wendy's. Storing the duck sauce from the Chinese food place that comes on by. Saving the little pizza tables that come in with your pizza. I don't know what you're going to use them for. No idea what you're going to use them for. I throw mine out. We don't need them. Their purpose is to keep the box from touching the pizza. Once the pizza gets here, we don't need it anymore. We throw it away. But you get into that poverty mentality. You just never know. You might need one of them things. Go on home today. Go through your cabinets and throw out all your Cool Whip, cool whip Rubbermaid protection. Get rid of it all. Go out to the store and buy real stuff. Because then every time you pull that out, you pull out a real genuine made-for-storage uh, uh, stuff. Then you keep thinking, my God blesses me. My God blesses me. When you pull out a Cool Whip container and the blue ink is being washed off from the dishwasher, <laughs> what's that telling you? Poverty. Lack. I can't afford the real stuff. Won't be doing it. <laughs> no, go. you don't have to get Tupperware if you don't want to get Tupperware, but you... You know, go out at least buy Rubbermaid. <laughs> Rubbermaid is a step up from Cool Whip. What's the other stuff they get the disposable one? The Ziploc? Is that what it is? 
Alright. I'll even say that's better. Alright, that's better. Throw out the cool whip. You don't need it. Have that out. Don't let these things come in. But these things will come in slightly. You'll get a small seed that come in about your job that you're going to lose it. Small seed that comes in while the economy is turning bad, you probably won't make much more money. No, don't, don't, do, don't do that. You know, you all know my, I make bunk beds. And I told the people I, buy the, I bought the plants from and I bought the, buy all the hardware from, I told them, if you ever need someone to talk to anybody who's thinking about doing this business, give them, tell them give me a call. Oh, really? You do that? Oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. Have them give me a call. And I'm one of their busiest people. I'm, I'm, I've, he told me all the time, you are, the, you are the busiest, one of the busiest guys I have, and I only do it part-time. But I told him, have them give me a call. And so I was talking to one person. He says, well, you know, in this economy, I'm thinking, you know, it's probably not a, maybe it'd be a good thing I'd, to do that. I says, what economy? I says, first off, I said, if the economy does go down, then the people who would have bought bunk beds from people who spent, who sold them for more money are going to come down and buy them from you now. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And I said, if, and people who weren't considering bunk beds were going to buy a bigger house and have one bed in each room. Maybe now they buy a smaller house and now they put two kids in each room. Now they need a bunk bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he went out and he got the business and he got started. I told him, anytime you need any help, just give me a holler and give me a call and I'll help you out. And, and we can do that. Now, I just went through. This is how easy this thing can, can sneak in. I went through the busiest spring I have ever experienced in my life making monk beds. Working some days 18 hours. I was sometimes pulling 15 hours, 15 hours, 18 hours, right in a row. Sometimes go to sleep for two, three hours and, uh, and, and get up and do it all over again. Just trying to keep up with the people. Turn, actually turn some people down and so say, I just can't take any more orders. And I finally got to the place where I got them all caught up. I got maybe three or four orders on order right now. Got them all caught up. Started advertising again. Do you know what thought came into my head? Well, it's the summertime. You may not get many orders in the summertime. You just never know. You may not get that many orders. And you better be careful. Now, maybe I didn't want to spend too much time making up some pieces ahead of time because you just never know. I'll tell you what, it just sneaks in so easy. That thought popped into my head and a uh, day or two later had somebody calling up. They wanted to order two sets of bunk beds, two sets of drawers, and then a third set of drawers. All for one person. Yeah, I keep me busy for a week. That's all right. But it's just that quick. It's just that quick it comes in. And it begins to erode things. It begins to pull, it, pull you down. Don't let it pull you down. Think, God wants me to prosper. If there's a job out there, who do you think God wants in it more? One of his kids. Well, maybe some other other kids that are out there that he's like, are you believing? Are you asking? Are you seeking after God's favor? Go after it. Listen to your spirit. If the spirit of God says, don't do it. Then don't do it. But if you don't get that, go after it. Stop thinking, well, what about what the other person is doing? How about if you get a job? Will that be all right? How about if you get a pay increase? Would that be okay? All right, don't worry about the other person. Nor should you worry about them if they get a pay increase and you don't. Because that thought will get in your head too. Father God, I thank you for this job. I thank you that I do it heartily. And if you think you need a raise, go and talk to them. See if they agree with you. <laughs> if not, find out why. But do your work as unto the Lord. We didn't get anywhere near through all this. So we'll pick it up next time.
But finances are important. How many of y'all know? We live in finances. The Word of God, the number one topic in the Word of God is prayer. I am told from people who have actually done all the counting, the number two topic in the Word of God is money. Because <laughs> God knows you need help with it. Because it will rule you. It will mess with you. But we want you to know what the Word of God says so that you have the right hope. Don't be sitting there wishing you have the right hope. The best workers on the planet should be Christians. They should be the best workers on the planet. People, sh- It ought to be such that if people hear you're a Christian, oh man, I'm ready to hire you. I've had Christians work for me before. They're incredible. That's how it should be. Fortunately, it's not, is it? But you don't let that set you back either. You do your work as unto the Lord. You don't sit there waiting for checks from heaven, money to be deposited in your account. You get a job, you work hard, and you say, Father God, I thank you. You bless the work of my hands. I thank you that you bless my employer so they can pay me more money. That's what you do. Well, we got much more to get in. This is just the beginning of it, but we'll get into the rest of it. Uh, we'll pick it up next week because finances are important, and I want you all to know I have the right hope about what the, what the Word of God wants us to do in that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we're so grateful that you care about our, funny, fi- our money, our finances. I thank you that you desire good things to come to us because we're your kids. And I thank you for the help that you give us that we can overcome whatever it is that comes against us. That just as the children of Israel could overcome the inhabitants of the land because greater is their God. We can overcome anything that's in the economy because greater is our God. They may try and tell us that 10 or 15% or whatever number is unemployed. But Father God, I thank you that we can be numbered among the 85 or 90% of people that are working and not always thinking that I'm going to be among the 10 or 15. Father, we thank you that our steps are ordered of you because we listen to you. We obey you. We hear your commands and your word and we do them. Because of that, you bless us, prosper us so that everything that we set our hand to will be successful. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us. Thank you for the opportunities to sow that come to us every week. We will not bypass them. We will not talk ourselves out of it. We will not try and give you counsel as to whether we should do that or not. For you are the all-wise God. You are the one that we need to listen to, and we will. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.